we are going to be looking at Joseph. All right, Joseph. I titled it Bitterness and Pain All right, in Genesis 37. So let's read that real quick and then we will get started. So starting off in verse 2. I will start from verse 1. It says, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. These are the family records of Jacob. At 17 years of age, Joseph tended sheep with his brothers. The young man was working with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought bad report about them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than his other sons because Joseph was a son born to him in his old age, and he made him a robe of many colors. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not bring themselves to speak peacefully to him. Then Joseph had a dream when he told his brothers they hated him even more. And he said to them, Listen to this dream I've had. We were, there we were, binding sheaves of, she, uh, sheaves of grain in the field. Suddenly my sheep stood up, and your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheep. Are you really going to reign over us? His brothers asked him. Are you really going to rule us? So they hated him even more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and told it to his brothers. Look, he said. I had another dream. This time the sun, moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. He told his father and brothers, but his father rebuked him. What kind of dream is this that you have had? He said, Are your mother and brothers and I to come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this wonderful day again, Father. Father, I pray that as we look at this story, Father, that you will change our hearts and change our focus to, to be more on you, Father, and to just change the things that we've done wrong, Father, to honor you more in every day's life, Father. We praise you and love you. Every day. Amen. So the story of bitterness and pain. Right? Normally when we look at the story of Joseph, we kind of focus in on Joseph, right? We kind of want to be like Joe. We want to be the Joseph in the story. We want to say, this is who I am. We want to say that People persecute me when I'm doing right, and I'm just doing my thing, and then they come after me, and I get sent off, and then bad things happen, and it just goes, we follow that path and that mindset. But I want to look at it from a little different way this today, and that we're not Joseph, but we're one of the brothers. Ephesians 4.31 says, All bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander must be removed from you, along with malice. Bitterness, anger, wrath, shouting, slander. They need to be removed from us, right? Those, those things can just corrupt our souls when we hold on to all those things. They tear us apart. We, can, we, know, we all know somebody who we look at and go, that person is just bitter about life. or just angry at life, right? We see people from young to old that just have that mindset that nothing's good no matter what happens it's not good enough and they're just bitter about everything right or they're just mad because somebody else got something and they didn't get it and they live their life like that and sometimes I think we can all do that and so as we're holding on to bitterness anger wrath malice slander all these things we can't hold on to God they take our focus when we're so focused on being bitter and angry at things we can't hold on to God and what his glory is giving us. So we lose that. 
And so today we're going to look at a group of men that chose to allow bitterness to change the course of their lives and to bring a dark, dark secret between them and their father. We all know the secret of what we're looking at. But how does it get to that point? So the first thing we look at in verses 3 and 3 through 4a, it was bitter, they were bitter, his brothers were bitter of his relationship. And it said, says in those verses, Now Israel loved Joseph more than his other sons, because Joseph was born a son to him in his old age, and he made a robe of many colors for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not bring themselves to speak peaceably to him. So they were jealous of and bitter towards that relationship that Joseph had with his father. Right? I know if we all if we have an older sibling, or if we have younger siblings, I guess I should say, if we have younger siblings and they get more attention, we get kind of jealous at times, don't we? Like, well, why did they get to do that? I didn't get to do that until I was older. When I think about back when my sister was nine years younger than me, I look back and she got to do so many more cool things than I did. And if I held on to that and let that jealousy build and that bitterness build towards that aspect, we wouldn't have any relationship. We would, I would hate her, right? But that just happens in life, right? Sometimes the youngest sibling gets, gets a little bit better. Now imagine being the oldest son of Jacob or Israel as, they, as his name was changed since last time we talked. He, um, he's probably in his 30s, I'm guessing. And his 17-year-old brother is the boss. Right? His 17-year-old brother has this high favor from the father. He gets the, the nice robe. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. But there's a love that Israel had for Joseph they didn't have for the other 11 sons. And that would probably hurt a little bit. It would hurt me to know that my father loved my sister more than me, or at least I perceived it to be that way. It would hurt to know that somebody, in my, somebody that I love and I want the attention of loves somebody else more than me, and they care more for them. Right? That, that can hurt. And we've all probably had that happen when we saw the attention from somebody, whether it be a family member or a friend, right? We seek that attention from that person because we want their affection. We want them to pay attention to us, but they give the attention to somebody else. And that can hurt. And that can cause division between you and the person who's getting the affection that you want. When we look in culture and movies, it's all over in movies that we see that, right? We see the, the love being focused on one person but not the right person, and people get upset. And it causes problems, it causes division. And it causes bitterness. Okay, the next thing we see here is it's they were bitter of his position. So that that coat of many colors was more than just a, a fancy jacket. Right? It meant more than that. The coat of many colors meant that he was the heir of, of Israel. That means he was the one who got the blessings that came down that the oldest son should have gotten. So here he was, a 17-year-old, and he was the one getting the air that the 30-something-year-old should have gotten. He was the boss out in the field. He was the one that told the other brothers what to do and where to go when they were out working. 
that would probably hurt a little bit if that's a I mean, I used to imagine, I made a joke the other day, I was, we were going out to eat with some, uh, some friends, and I said, hey, you should get a job here at Arby's. Wouldn't have to deal with students. But then it dawned on me, those students would probably be the boss. <laughs> and that wouldn't go so well, now would it? Right? To have a 17-year-old telling me what to do and being my boss, I wouldn't like that. There'd be hostility between us. Now imagine if that was my little brother or little sister that was in charge of me and telling me what I had to do and not do. And they were going to get the rights, and they had all the glory of it. And here I am, the oldest, and I'm not getting what I think I deserve. It causes bitterness between them and Joseph because of his position. The next thing we see is they were bitter of God's favor. We saw it in five verses five through eleven. They were bitter that. God spoke directly to Joseph through dreams. We've all been there, right? We've all seen somebody that God would seem to be just working with so well in their lives. Man, why can't God talk to me like that? Why can't God do that kind of stuff in my life? Why can't he do this? What? And that we allow bitterness to build up between us and that brother or sister. All right? I know we all... Nobody probably wants to admit this, but I can guarantee every Christian has done this at least once, is they've watched a brother or sister in Christ, that God had just been faithful, it just looks like God was doing everything for them and changing their lives and doing just miraculous things through them. And then when they make a mistake and stumble, secretly, we kind of feel good about it, right? Because it makes us makes them look more human and it makes us feel better because we're not what we thought they were because we became bitter towards that person and we're jealous of what they have in God's kingdom hope I'm not the only one that's done that but, but if I read enough Twitter and news and Facebook I see that all the time when a leading Christian makes a mistake and does something they shouldn't do they turn on people turn on them really quickly because we're bitter of their position that they have. And it's, it's horrible. And then, the last part of this part is this bitterness then takes over. And we saw that, we saw that in the next section of this passage. And, and I encourage you to go back through it and read it. I'm going to kind of paraphrase what happens. So the bitterness that these brothers had was so much so that they let build and build and build that one day when Joseph came out to check on the work they were doing, they saw him in a distance and said, hey, let's kill him. Let's get rid of him. He can't tell us what to do anymore. He doesn't deserve what he has in his position. He thinks we're going to bow down to him. No, we're not bowing down to him. Let's get rid of him. Then he can't be dad's favorite anymore. Let's kill him. And so they set out in their hearts to kill him at that moment when they saw him coming. Had it not been for the oldest brother, Reuben, they would have. They would have killed him there. There, Instead, Reuben said, let's throw him in a well for right now with a secret plan from Reuben to rescue him and try to heal the relationship. But when they threw him in the well... While he was down there, I don't know if he was yelling for help, trying to get somebody to get attention, but they went and sat down and had lunch. 
while he was down in the pit. That's how much they, how bitter they were towards him. And they let Philip so much that here he was yelling for help. And they sat down to eat lunch. And then they saw slave traders come through and they said, hey, let's just sell him. Let's make some money off of it. But so they pulled him out, took his coat off of him, sold him to the slave, slave traders. Right, well, okay, now what do we do? No, we can't just go home and tell Dad we sold him. What would Dad say? He would be happy with us. Ah, let's cover it up. They took his coat. They killed an animal. Put the blood on it. Took him to Dad and said, Dad, your son has died. Your favorite son is no longer with us. Now imagine having to keep that secret. You're so bitter that you're willing to keep a secret that Tell somebody they're dead, somebody's dead because you're mad at them. That's where that's what bitterness did to these brothers. They they turned on somebody. So let's look at a, another story where this kind of thing happened a little bit later on in the New Testament. We look at the Gospels. Look at the Pharisees, the priests. Sadducees, right? The religious leaders, they were supposed to be a part of sharing God's word and doing God's stuff. Then this new guy walks in. Well, it's not part of their group. And he seems to have all the favor of God. He has a position. People are listening to him. He's taken away from them. And he has this relationship with God the Father that they don't have. They can see something different about him. And bitterness builds up in their lives too. It's not enough that they can just ignore him and stay away from him. They get bitter towards him. They come up with a plan. Let's kill him. Let's get rid of him. God can't speak to, speak to him if he's dead. The father can't favor him if he's no longer around. And so they set out to set in motion of plans to take Jesus to the cross out of their bitterness. They're angry, right? See, bitterness is a huge thing in our lives. And if we hold on to it, we let that build and build and build. We start doing things that just aren't something we would normally do. I don't think normally the Pharisees would have been thinking that way, that we're going to kill him that quickly. But bitterness built up. They saw that if he built, if he continued speaking, they would lose their power. They thought they had control over the people, and they wanted to keep it. But bitterness and jealousy of who Jesus was, as he was pulling away from them, let's get rid of him. Let's kill him. And so they did. So we can parallel kind of Joseph and into Jesus that. Bitterness just builds up in our lives. And so then we have to ask ourselves, well, what can we really learn from this lesson? So i got four things we can look at here. First thing is, bitterness is really anger towards God. All right, we're, we, we forget that God's in control of all things, right? And so when things aren't going our way and somebody's getting something that we think they don't deserve and we deserve it instead... We're angry towards God because he's not giving it to us. 
We are angry because he's not doing what, what we want him to do. It's not the people who are at fault that things are good going good for them. God's the one doing the good things, and we're angry at that person. And it sounds crazy when we say that our bitterness towards somebody is really angry toward anger towards God. That in itself should want us to change our lives, right? The second thing is, is bitterness is the denial of the goodness of God. In Romans 8.28 it says, um, We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. So not only is bitterness anger towards God, we're denying his goodness at the same time. We're saying, God, you're not doing the right things, you're not doing the good thing. Step aside, let me take control. I'm going to fix this. You're not doing good enough. You saw that with the Pharisees, right? God, you're not taking care of this guy. We're going to take care of the problem for you. We'll get rid of him, and we'll keep this kingdom going the way it was. Joseph's brothers. Dad, you're not taking care of Joseph in the right way. He's, we don't like what, how you're doing it. We're going to take care of him when we do it our way. How often do we do that in our lives when we look around and we say, God, you're not doing it the way I want it to be done. I'll take care of it. We may not say that out loud, but subconsciously we do that, right? We say, God, I'm tired of waiting. I'm going to make the moves. I'm going to get stuff done. I mean, the American way is if you, can't do, if you want something done right, you do it yourself, right? That's what our sinful nature tells us. If I want to get this done, I have to get it done. I'm not going to stop and pray about it. I'm not going to wait for God's time. I'm just going to force my way in and do it. And that's what, we, that's what we're doing. We're denying the goodness of God when we do that. We allow bitterness to be in control of it. The third thing is, is bitterness poisons other, others. Hebrews 12, 15 says, that makes sure no one falls short of the grace of God. And that no root of bitterness springs up, causing trouble, and by it defiling many. Bitterness in our lives doesn't just cause problems for our lives. Right? Bitterness in our lives leaks out. Like we just lost that. battery was dying so I knew that might happen All right bitterness in our life does not just cause us to have problems it causes problems for people around us All right how many people how many times have you seen somebody who's been bitter in your life that causes agony on you All right it makes your life harder when somebody's bitter and going about their life and they're always angry about things right you try to make plans to do something, and here comes the bitter person to destroy everything. No matter what you say, they're going to be mad at you. Right? They're going to always be a bitterness. There's always going to be pain. It's always going to cause tragedy inside the family. All right, and then the next thing is, is bitterness is non-discriminating with its targets. Okay? So what does that mean? Non-discriminating with its targets. What I found in life is that when we're bitter about things, we don't always go after the person that we're upset with. A lot of times it's actually the opposite. We don't go after the person we're upset with. We go after that family member that we know will love us unconditionally. 
that person will show our anger at because we know they'll still care about us. But that family member that we're really bitter at, that we know that if we go, if we say something to them, it's going to make our lives worse, we ignore that. We don't talk to that person because we're afraid of that. But we'll go after the people that, that we know love us unconditionally. Or we'll go after people that are strangers where we don't have to see them again, right? How many times have we seen people that were upset? They go to a restaurant, waiter, waitress makes one small mistake and they blow up at them. Right? And so bitterness is not always targeted to where it would be pointed at if it was in the right way. Bitterness is pointed at just anybody around us, not the person who may or may not deserve that bitterness, right? And so then we have to ask, whose fault was it that Israel loved Jacob more? I mean, Israel loved Joseph more. Was it Joseph's fault that his dad loved him more than the others? Did Joseph cause that to happen? Was it Joseph's fault that God spoke to him and not his brothers? Was it his fault? No. However, the brothers took it out on Joseph, right? They weren't mad. Joseph didn't do anything to them necessarily. But they were mad because of what their dad did and what God did. Now, they couldn't go after their dad. They couldn't go after God. But they could go after Joseph, who was the recipient of those good things, right? And so the target was not the, the right place. Right, so then as we go from there, what do we do with this? So we go to God's Word. Ephesians 4, 26-27 says, Be angry and do not sin. Don't let sin go down your anger, and don't give the devil an opportunity. See, it's not the anger that's the problem, it's the holding of the anger. Right? And it's the sin that comes from that anger. Anger is going to happen. Right? We're going to have things happen that's going to upset us. I mean, even Jesus had times of anger, right? But he was in control, and he didn't sin when he was angry. And he didn't hold on to it and let hold it tight and let Satan work inside of him and let that bitterness build up to where it became a bigger deal because Satan's now in control as opposed to God. So we say, be angry, don't sin, don't let the sun go down your anger. So that, a lot of people take that part, meaning is don't go to bed when you're angry at all. Just... When you're angry, deal with it. Talk with the people you're angry with. Say, hey, I'm, I'm hurting. I hurt my feelings when you said that. It bothered me that you did this. Can, we need to work past this so that Satan doesn't use this against us and divide us farther apart. Right, we see a lot of families that are destroyed because there's anger issues inside the family. And they rather than talking about and figuring out what the problem is, they just hold on to it. And they hold a grudge and they become bitter and they become angry. And sooner or later they just quit speaking completely. Or when they do speak, there's just a constant fight and a bickering amongst each other. And there's no glory to God involved in that relationship. All right, the next, next thing we do is do not seek vengeance for yourself. It's not up to us to make the, the judgment on somebody else's life. All right, we... We're not called to do that. So in Romans 12, 19 through 21, it says, Friends, do not avenge, avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for his wrath. 
For it is written, Vengeance belongs to me, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so, you will heap fiery coals on his head. Do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. So not only we're not supposed to be the one seeking vengeance, Jesus actually and it actually says it's much worse, right? If they're hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. If they need something, take care of the one who is your enemy. Right? If you see they're hurting, try to help them. Love on them. Because as you do that, your heart's going to change for that person. Because you can't simultaneously offer people food and drink and take care of their needs and be bitter toward them at the same time. That's impossible. And if you're truly offering them help, you can't do that if you're bitter. So change your heart towards that person. Let God be the one to work in their lives, working, changing them. All you can do is change what's inside of you and that's to love one another as, Christ, as, as Jesus loved us. All right, and then the, the third thing we can do is humble yourself or allow God to humble you. All right, Philippians um, 2, 3 through 11 says, Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider others more important than, you, than yourselves. Everyone should look not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Make your own attitude that of Jesus Christ who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come, down, come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason God exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of the, every, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we should look out for the interests of others. Right? A prideful person has a hard time doing that. Our politicians have a hard time doing that, right? They look out for their own interests, not for the interests of others. But we can say that just about them, but we can say that probably in our own lives, that when we're not honoring God, we are looking out for what's best for me. I'll take care of me, and then we'll take care of everyone else, right? That's kind of what our human nature tells us and what the world tells us. you got to watch your own back. Nobody else is watching it for you. But the reality is, is God's watching it for us. God's there. So we just need to humble ourselves and be obedient. I mean, Christ, who had all the power and strength in the world, he humbled himself and became obedient to God. So much so that he gave his life. The Pharisees didn't take it. He chose to give it to them. He chose to stay on the cross because God told him to. He chose to love the people who were actively killing him. He wanted them forgiven because they didn't understand you know, so as we're focusing on serving God, we're focusing on doing God's work, bitterness will go away. 
Because it's hard to be so, like I said at the beginning, you can't hold on to bitterness and serve God. It's one or the other. Bitter people do not do a great job in serving the kingdom because they're looking for what's best for them and not for God's kingdom. Look out what's best for them and not for others. And so today, as we give it a close for this first part, and then we'll come back up and we'll do the Lord's Supper in a second. But as we have an altar call and we spend time, it's a good time to search your heart. Okay, Ask God, where am I bitter at? What are things holding me back from honoring you? Where are the relationships I have that I'm struggling with that I'm not honoring you in because... I'm jealous of them, or they angered me a few years ago. They hurt me. Where are we having those issues at? And as God reveals those to you, confess that that you've been doing wrong. Go to that brother, that sister, that family member, that friend. Say, I'm sorry. I've been holding this against you. For so long that our relationship has dwindled and they may or may not feel the same way they may hold on to their own bitterness but we can't change other people's hearts we can forgive and we can let go of the bitterness and the anger and the malice and the slander against somebody and they may hold on to it but that, that's not what matters Right? We have to let go of those things so that we can honor God. Because all we do when we hold on to that is destroy our own lives. We tear our relationships up because it's not just that one relationship that goes bad, it's others around it that go bad too. And we may not like the fact that we go to them and they apologize and they say, uh-uh, this ain't over. Right? But we can let it go. We can forgive people. Even if they don't say sorry. Right? We teach our kids all the time to go tell them you're sorry. And they'll tell you sorry back. And you kind of get that, neither of them really mean it at times. But we have to teach people to do is to forgive one another. Forgiveness is different than you don't need a sorry. They don't. Somebody need to come to you and say, I'm sorry for doing this to you, for you to choose to forgive them. It's a choice you have to make on your own. And thankfully, 2,000 years ago, Jesus made that choice. When he got on that cross, he said, Charles, I'm doing this so I can forgive you. You're going to do me wrong. You're going to sin. You're going to do evil things. But I'm making this decision as I stand on this cross and I give my life for you. I'm forgiving you for what you're going to do to me. I'm forgiving you because I love you. I'm going to give you what you're not capable of giving yourself. But I'm going to forgive you. And that can be the hardest thing, to forgive somebody even though they show, show no signs of remorse for what they did to you. But it's about the healing of ourselves and our walk with God in forgiving others. 
not because they said they're sorry or they changed their lives, but we forgive others because Christ forgave us. All right, let us pray and then we'll have an altar call and then we'll do the we'll get do the Lord's Supper. Heavenly Father, we just we just praise you, Father, for forgiving us. Father, it's so hard to say that that I am one of the brothers that was jealous and hurtful towards towards you. But I pray that each of us here, Father, we will search our hearts directly and seek out how we can love you more, Father. How we can forgive those around us, Father, Lord, even when it's tough. Father, there's some here that have so much pain built up that they've held on to it for years, Father. They don't know where to begin. But Father, I pray that you would give them that wisdom. Change their lives here and now. Help them to be forgiving of others, Father, because you forgave us. Father, we just love you. In your holy name, amen. You will stand and turn to page 488.